Hey guys, Trevor with Ride a Leaf. Today I'm with Tim from Alberta Bud. These guys are going to be based in Alberta. They just harvested some uppercut punch and a little bit of their slur face. So I'm really excited to talk to you guys about those two genetics as well as the strains that you guys just flipped into flower because you got that continuous growth cycle that really seems to make craft an interesting approach to the market because they have to really dive into the time scale and getting as many harvests as they can out in the facilities that are a little bit tighter in space. So I want to welcome Tim onto the podcast and uh, give you a little chance to talk about Alberta Bud and let everyone know exactly who you are and what you do with these guys. Right on. Thanks a lot uh, for the introduction there. Um, so yeah, Alberta Bud, we're, we're based in Edmonton in Alberta and we grow in an indoor warehouse. It's about 6,000 square feet. And we grow in a vertical arrangement with LED lights in cocoa with a dripper system. Um, so we have a mother room, clone room, bedroom, and then two flower rooms. And we just move each crop through the different rooms as uh, they're growing out. So uh, yeah, the uppercut and the slur face, we did just harvest those two. They were our first two strains that we grew and are still uh, the strains that we grow the most. Um, we're always experimenting with new strains. Uh, you're allowed to bring in seeds on the first day that you have a license from Health Canada in, uh, in Canada. And we brought seeds in kind of from all kinds of different places. So we do grow those out, select uh, future strains, that kind of thing. But the uppercut and the slur face is what we've been focused on. Uh, the uppercut punch is cookies and cream crossed with purple punch 2.0 and is an indica-leaning hybrid. The slur face is skittle wood crossed with slur cane, really nice sweet flavor on that one, more of a sativa-leaning hybrid, that one. Uh, so both really great strains. We've uh, had both those on the market through AGLC here in Alberta for a few months. Uh, slur face uh, definitely seems to be the, the crowd favorite. Uh, it sells a little bit faster in the uppercut. Uh, but then, you know, that could just be an Albertan thing. Uh, Albertans it, with beer and alcohol, actually, we prefer sweet more than any other flavor and more than any other province in Canada. So we just have kind of a sweet tooth in Alberta. I don't know why. Uh, but yeah, the slur face uh, seems to be well received here. So yeah, that's basically, uh, you know, who we are, what we're doing. We're growing um, dried flour for eighths and ounce containers and uh, we're moving into pre-rolls here pretty soon. We have a pretty neat machine out of San Jose. Um, uses centrifugal force to roll the joints rather than a standard knock box, which kind of just bounces the, the weed into the cone. Gives a, a bit of a more even, tighter pack. Um, so that's something we're excited that should be coming out here in the summer. Uh, putting a lot of focus on that right now too. That, that's going to be interesting because... With those bump boxes, the whole idea is to get the finer portion of the bud to the base and a little bit of the flakier stuff up top, and it just kind of naturally works its way down by bumping it. And then it kind of stacks up where that's centrifugal force. You're going to get almost the smaller stuff sticking to the outside of the paper and the bigger bud pushing its way down on the inside. So it's going to be interesting to see how they compare to a lot of the other joints that are available. Yeah, yeah. I think you're, you're going to find... Um... A more predictable even burn yeah. is, is something that really attracted us to that machine uh, that's been pretty repeatable, which is another challenge with a lot of machines too. Um, you know, you, you have to be very exact with the weighing of this and that can be challenging in, in the bump boxes as you call mm -hmm. them. Um, so it has those advantages. Um, yeah, we're really excited about it. That, yeah, that one will be really interesting to see. And it, I'm just interested to see how, because will you guys be running cones with it? Yep. So I'm interested to see how, because some of the cones, they have such an issue with that gum canoe. I'm wondering if the centrifugal force, because you get that bigger flakier bud throughout, that's going to help prevent that little bit of the gum canoeing that cones I'm finding are especially bad for. Because when you roll it yourself, you can usually disperse the gum a little bit better than with the cones where they seem to be machine rolled. So that's going to be yeah. fun to see. 
Yeah, yeah, it should be good. I, I still agree. I think the best joints are always going to be those ones that get rolled by yourself. You know, I mean, you, you can't get fresher than that. And, and you can make it exactly the way that you like it. But, uh, you know, myself, I mean, that that's what I'll generally do. But if I'm on the go or something like that, I love to pick up pre-rolls and it, they're just convenient. They're useful. And they're one of the one of the fastest growing categories in, in cannabis as well. Well, it's it's the perfect category to get out and try a lot of products, right? Like a lot of the products that, where you guys would sit in that kind of upper craft echelon where the price point is a little bit higher, but the quality is there. That three and a half gram is going to last you the same as a seven gram of like uh, any Canica based bud, any of that kind of a little bit more generic. It doesn't have that fuller cannabinoid profile necessarily because it just is grown in a larger facility. I find the craft based bud, you get a little bit of a fuller experience. You don't need to smoke as much to get the same high. And when you can get into the pre-rolls, you can usually grab people to try them and go, oh, that hit me way harder than anything else. It's worth the extra 10 bucks to grab the three and a half. And that's a huge thing I've noticed since a lot of the craft companies have started bringing pre-rolls out. So I'm excited to hear that from you guys. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're really looking forward to that. And I, I think you're you're right in terms of, you know, what, what is going to have a good effect? What, you know, like we're so focused on THC in Canada. And I mean, that's something like 90% of people will make their decision of what they're going to buy based on the price and the THC. And, and it's, it's unfortunate. I think like, you know, you go to a coffee shop in Amsterdam and they aren't telling you about THC levels, right? They're giving you stars and it's, you know, what is the effect, right? Like how strong will this affect be? And so much of that has to do with the freshness of the product and the terpenes that are coming along with it. And we just, we just, I, I feel like we haven't been able to communicate that really effectively. Well, it's, from, uh, especially for me, having been in the bud tender level since the August of legalization year, um, we've seen a huge change in the people who just wanted that strictly best THC for the price point that we can find. We've started to get a decent consumer base now that are looking for terpene values and looking for an actual specific combination of terpenes because they're finding that that hits way harder and they'll spend money on something that's sitting at 18.5 and they'll come back and go, well, that hit me way harder than any of the 30% you ever had. It's like, yeah, cause you've taken the time to learn how your body reacts to the plant and you found the stuff that works for you. It's a little bit of work to find that best optimal cannabis, but once you do, it's on another level when you can really dive into that kind of family of strains that are available with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a great point about, you know, what works for you because, you know, what I'm hearing is that everybody's endocannabinoid system is different, you know? And so you and I can smoke the same joint and have completely different experiences of that. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that people are starting to sort of figure that part out. Yeah, it's, it's nice that people are understanding the, that the terpenes are playing a factor. I think personally, my next big step would be getting people to understand that there's more than just a single cannabinoid that helps affect the high. There, CBG may not be as dominant in the psychoactive effect, but if there's enough CBG to complement the THC and the CBD ratio, that strain is going to smack no different than if it has CBN or anything of a higher cannabinoid level, it is going to be a little bit more specific on the effect. CBN is going to give you more of that evening nighttime, a sleep kind of base effect. But if that's what you're looking for, strains like that are awesome to chase after. Right. That's that next step I want to see because once we can start going into the genetics that have the, varied cbg cbn the other terpenes we could end up finding a whole different category that offers up some real fun for us to enjoy for daytime based smoke or that more recreational high right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and there's flavor profiles that go with those strains that naturally just haven't been developed because people have been thc hunting for how many decades even during the recreational side right Mm mm-hmm like I, I see the benefits of the legal market. We just got to get people looking that way. <laughs> well, it, it is challenging. You know, I mean, you were talking about, you know, the benefits of craft and it's like, I think one of the biggest challenges that we face as legal producers is the, 
incredibly long and, and confusing path to market. So my, in my personal opinion, like the freshness of the product is, is a huge component of the overall experience. I mean, you could have incredible stuff, but if you're on, you know, it's month 12 of it or something sitting on the shelf, I mean, it's just, it's not going to be great, you know? And it's so difficult to move things to the market quickly. Uh, there's, there's just so many pieces in place there. So like, for example, for us, one strategy that we've used is we've uh, basically finished off the licensing of our, our retail store in Edmonton here. And so we can get the product to AGLC and then we can get the product into the retail store as fast as possible. And in Alberta, you're able to now sell uh, privately online. And so people can, you know, go to albertabud.com and buy a product that was maybe harvested, you know, within the last two months, something like that, and have it delivered to their door is, is what we're hoping to achieve. And it, it is difficult, you know, batch sizes is such an important thing in, in the industry. So if you have, you know, say 10 kilos of weed, that may just be too small a lot for many different types of buyers. They, they don't want to look at that. And, you know, you're sitting there like it's 10,000 grams, right? Like, yeah, that's, that's a, a lot a of good job, But uh, just, just the logistics of how the, the sales market is working uh, is really bogging things down and making it challenging to do that. So uh, I'm hoping we're going to be able to speed that process up a little bit and it'll be a little bit more similar to the legacy experience where the bag you're getting is probably just, just finished curing right it's it's at its optimal condition well and that's and like within the last month i should say i've spent a lot of time and learned about the transition of thc to cbg over time and the deterioration due to just it sitting there in the jar and that's will play a factor in what people experience from your bud because if it's six eight twelve months old like you were saying how much of that thc content is no longer there because it's transitioned into that cbg or other potential little bit more end stage terpenes that are going to provide a totally different experience than what you want to have at peak performance yeah yeah i think that's the key it's you know let's let's do smaller lots let's move them quick get them all out there and and then on to the next one because when you've got the product sitting for so long i mean it's an organic material it's a it's a living product and it's degrading you know so yeah. i like, think that's a major issue yeah, like when you get into the vapes and the edibles and the oils where it's a little bit more distilled, it's a little bit more processed in a sense. Absolutely, we've got different shelf times. But when we're talking actual raw plant, it's it's a different way to handle it, right? And I I'm in agreement with you. The small I would rather see a strain that sells out in two weeks and then we see it again in two weeks because they're doing another small batch. And it's, yeah, the THC range is going to swing the 6% potential that most strains have. But if it's swinging one and a half percent percentile on the terpenes and it's staying at that 2.2 2. 2 plus, well, you're still going to get a great experience off of that butt. It may not be the heaviest hitting high, but it's going to be tasty. It's going to give you something to enjoy. And the next time when it's higher, well, that'll give you that kick in the ass you need. Like, yeah, no, no, absolutely. It, it would, I'm in agreement with you on that. The, the smaller batches would definitely be a big benefit. And if we can get everyone looking at the varied cannabinoids, I know craft will definitely get a benefit on it because naturally you're going to have them because of the care you guys are taking to each plant. Right? Like, yeah, it is just possible to, to give the more, you know, attention. An example of our grow is we don't have a traditional square canopy. Uh, we use rows and, uh, and it just enables it to be a lot easier to move um, within the plants and to spot problems and to improve airflow and all these kinds of things. So I, I think that is kind of an unquestionable benefit of, of the craft is there's just a lot more attention and human care on, on the plants themselves. Well, absolutely. And if, and if there is a plant that has a specific problem, you can usually identify it when it's in that smaller room and with you guys using the rows, that is a huge benefit. And are you guys using um, like similar, oh, I can't remember what it was, but those sliding um, pods to move your guys' room from room. So you've got like that, uh, oh, I can't remember what the row system is called. 
Uh, well, so we use um, some sliding racks called pip racks. Okay. That's what you're thinking of, but basically My... those don't move with within or between rooms, but they can uh, create aisles within a block of canopy. Yeah, I'll just pull them up real quick and take a look. Um, because there are the ones that I've seen where there are the actual tracks that you can slide your full um, propagation trays right on. And they were used in Amsterdam and a couple of other places for like flower production. And they've been brought into the cannabis production facilities. And I've seen them through some of the facility tour videos that I've watched. And when you guys said room to room, that's just the image that popped up in my head because I was like, oh, that would be really convenient. Okay, yeah, I see what you guys are using. And then you just have the plastic um, propagation trays on top. Yep, that's right. Uh, yeah, we use those pip ones in our bedroom. And then okay. it's uh, just static pallet racking in our flower rooms. And then oh, we nice. set up scaffolding around it to access the second level. Yeah, that that's definitely a really good way to utilize uh, more elevation-based grow system especially if you aren't having the floor spaces spread out and you can get a little bit more of a actual direct control with each of the individual plants because with individual rows you can actually have that good cycle of air flowing throughout yeah yeah um it presents some challenges microclimates are a bit tougher to tame just because you know your heat's rising throughout the room and your second level is going to run a bit warmer generally airflow on the lower level is going to be a little trickier it's it's more stuffy being down underneath the, the second level um for us our hvac equipment is uh somewhat unique different from what a lot of places are using where you're just going to have your acs and, and your dhums going um, we embedded all of the, the ducting within the walls just for uh, ease of cleaning. And then um, we use a system uh, deployed by an Edmontonian company here called High Velocity. And it uses a, a really powerful uh, engine to push air at the same speed through a whole bunch of different ducts. So it's got like one main big duct line to the room, and then it kind of spiders down in the wall so that it's evenly pushing air in through multiple levels in the room. Oh, almost, almost like a way an air shower would be set up where it's just kind of spritzing the room with the additional air. Um, it's, it's fully conditioning the air. So our, the unit is both cooling the air as well as dehumidifying it and returning it to the room oh, okay. in, in that condition. Um, and then, yeah, you've got like big HVAC returns in the ceiling that are, are being used to pull the air out of the room. Um, so it's just kind of unique to, to combat the challenge of microclimates in a vertical grow to uh, have multiple layers of your HVAC uh, supply uh, ducts. Yeah. So that, that was just one way we tried to, to tackle that challenge. Um, and it was, it, it was difficult at first. And, you know, we kind of had to experiment with, you know, putting fans in different areas, vertical fans to move air up and down and oscillating fans just to keep mixing the air within the canopy. Um, so, yeah, that took some some playing around and, and experimenting, but I think we've got it really well dialed in now. Are you finding that some of your genetics are liking that little bit of a higher row better than others and the like the opposite where some like that heat and some like the cool? uh we don't have such a spread that it's very noticeable honestly oh, okay. yeah we're talking you know maybe five degrees out okay that's not too like bad that. yeah pretty similar yeah i was just curious because there are those strains that that little bit they might just love it right so um with the uppercut and the slur face right now what do you do you guys have anything else that you're working on you're hoping to bring out soon yeah yeah um I think we're in the veg room with the crop where we're going to be mixing in some super patrol and some 24 karat gold nice uh patrol's nice it's gmo crossed with rocket fuel uh, so yeah the gmo it's it's pretty stretchy it's it's i mean we're calling it a hybrid but and technically it's an indica leaning but the effects are very sativa like and the stretch is very sativa like um especially in this pheno that we have uh, really, really nice plant. Uh, tests in the mid twenties generally. Uh, 
comes out pretty dark purple uh right right within the flower itself not just the leaves and the the scent is really just it's capis right it's like oh, like wow. just strong like very very powerful yeah we've uh, got we've got some people that are definitely looking for that more like they want the cush dominance of a room kind of fill but they want that acidity and that cat piss aroma i, I don't think they're expecting that that's exactly what they're looking for because mm -hmm. it fills a room like a cush does but it's acidic <laughs> like, there's a reason it's called cat piss is because it's pungent and it's acidic <laughs> Yeah, uh, very distinct uh, yeah. spell. The high is excellent. Uh, one, one of the truly um, uplifting, stimulating highs I've, I've had more recently. I find that that's just more challenging to find. There, there's lots that are going to get the more like downer end, you know, yeah. of the experience, the couch locking, the sleepiness, you know, sedation. But this one, it's like, it's truly like, like stimulating, which, yeah, yeah the, I, I like that. Very different from our other strains. The battle I've had is finding that stimulation without the euphoria to go with it, a clear headed mm -hmm. stimulation. And that's mm -hmm. like, for me, when that euphoria hits too hard, that goes with it. It's, I, it's that couch lock. I might as well be playing video games. I might as well be distracted by something. Right. Mm -hmm. Where that, just that pure uplift. There's been really only one strain that I found consistently smokes like that on the market. And that's the Dosi do lemon G from bold. And it's really candied lemon kind of a flavor. So it makes sense with the terpenes that they're providing out of it. Right. And mm. from what it sounds like you've got, it's going to be pretty similar. It might have a little bit more of that uh, kind of body ease and relaxation that I like from the GMO side of things. Mm -hmm. So it, it sounds like, it sounds more like my kind of a strain, the more I'm thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's a personal favorite of mine too. Um, uh, I keep my favorite flavor by far has got to be the slur face. I mean, we're, we're it's like strawberry campinos. Like I just love that. But for effects, the super patrol, very nice. Uh, the 24 karat gold is great too, for both smell and effects. Um, strong, you know, test 27%, uh, kosher kush cross with tangy and the tangy lineage in this is profound. Like it is very noticeable. Um, and the, the kush comes through with, yeah. with the potency, right? Uh, so, you know, that's, that's your couch lock that, but it is just a, a great smelling weed. And what's interesting about that one, which I still don't understand is, uh, you know, you can smell it and I can say, do you smell oranges and you know, you'll smell the tangy, right? Yeah. But I can also say, do you smell the new tire section in Canadian tire? And, and that smell can come through yeah. with this same strain. I don't understand how something that smells like oranges can smell like tires and yet, depending on which one you, you say, both can be smelled. I, I, I don't get it. Yeah, there's there's been a couple of times where I've come across some really good craft where it's you've had two completely different aromas. And it's like, yeah, I smelled this. It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and it's just two completely different personalities, right? Two people that have different palettes. Mm. Um. Oh, like the G GMO from Partake is actually a perfect example of that. For me, anytime I open it, it smells like a pool, like that, that kind of really musty, muggy, humid pool aroma. Somebody opened it up and they're like, it smells like mold. Like, <laughs> trust me, it's not mold. Like smelling like it's the exact same thing I'm smelling. No, it's just that real rich kind of ruggedy, feel so i'm excited to see if that one's got that same kind of pull between just me and who the, the other person i'm talking about right because she's got a totally different palette than i do <laughs> so i'm curious to see if we're gonna get one of those two or something completely different <laughs> yeah yeah you never know yeah that one sounds good too and that the kosher kush i'm surprised that we haven't seen more just straight up kosher kush do well on the market here like there i i've only seen the kosher kush from dna genetic really pop up and that was at the beginning and then it disappeared once the price point got better with other companies so i could see that one catching people off guard and we've had some 24 karat gold from a little bit of a larger producers and it went over well so i bet you have more craft option is not going to be much convincing 
to try and get the people who like that better quality bud and that more kind of orange flavor too, if you, that's what you're able to get on it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's going to help kind of round out our offerings. Um, we, we've been selling most of our stuff wholesale to other companies as we've been working on our final health Canada licenses. Yeah. And so that's all been submitted. Now we're hoping those that we have those, you know, maybe next month or something like that. And so that's going to enable us to go, you know, directly to the market. And so we wanted to offer kind of some different variety, some variety basically yeah. to, to people. And so, yeah, each strain is kind of unique um, from the other ones. And yeah. so yeah, I, I'm very interested in trying even just like a variety pack in the market. You know, I mean, you could get four eighths and, you know, there can oh. be a price break and it's like, hey, now you've got all these different ones you can sample, you know, like that's how I like that. That's my favorite way of experiencing, you know, new cannabis is, is comparing against others. Well, and, and with with how much of a different um, kind of effect and taste that you've got with each of those strains with that variety pack, you could have it branded for different kind of things. Here's your one to go out. Here's your one to stay in and do something. Here's the one to sit at home and here's the one to go to bed. Right. And then you can have people trying it. And what's fun is you will end up seeing people comparing what they, what you thought the experience was, and they might even rearrange the assortment. And that's going to be a fun way to just see how, those strains do and hold up right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i i'm a big better big person of uh <laughs> i got confused there for a second i'm a big proponent of the variety packs and getting stuff like that out because i love to be able to go and try a little bit of everything and then okay i like this from this company they do it the best for what i'm looking for that's the amazing thing about the craft is everyone's got one strain that they do perfect for each individual and they might be the whole lineup you never know that's a that's a fun part about this industry with the craft growers that are able to be a part of it yeah i mean yeah i gotta gotta say it's uh it's a great industry to be in even though it's it's very challenging as we're still figuring it out and and, and you know everything and lots of people are going out of business right now you know it's kind of like the carnage stage of the industry i would say and, you know, it's sad to, to see. I mean, I've, I've met people and it's it's like, hey, we put our, our life savings into this thing and it's not working for, for whatever reason. And I think easily half of the companies that exist today in Canada won't in, you know, a year or two, really. Um, so, you know, but <coughs> at the end of the day, we get to grow wheat, right? Uh, it's, it's a very rewarding thing, I, I find, for me. I mean, I was a divorce lawyer before I got into cannabis, and I'd, I'd always smoked weed, and it loved it, and it became legal, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'll grow my own, and so I did, and it was, it was great, and then, yeah, I got my ECMPR as well, just like, yeah, I had uh, 250 plants, I think was my count, and just started messing around with all the different cultivation systems or circulating deep water culture, aeroponics, NFT, all, all this stuff. And, you know, I was like, hey, you know, this is probably something that we could do. And, you know, got a group of guys together and, and we were able to, to put a place together. And it's like, that's what I like to, to focus on when things are really challenging, which they've been, you know, we, we got our facility December 1, 2019. And so like, we're, we're over two years into working on this business and it's still just in its infancy, really. Yeah. But yeah, at the end of the day, you go to the dry room and, you know, you <laughs> crack open a bag of something that's curing and it's like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a lot better than divorce motions. <laughs> oh, I can. Yeah. I, I came over from an injury due to an EMS. So it's a lot nicer sitting around talking on zoom calls like this and doing some of the stuff I was doing for EMS training. And it's just, it's a better overall environment to be around. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine that's a tough line of work too. Oh, <laughs> it was, I transitioned because of a workplace injury and I'm in a better industry as a whole. I will say that honestly, like it, it's, especially even though it's in its infancy and there's so many if ands or buts that kind of come with that. It seems like we're at at least in this age, we're able to have more control over it than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago, if it were to be coming out because of the social media and the ability to have sit down conversations like this and kind of educate the consumer because 
since it's in its infancy, we can kind of guide them and, and, and give the information that they need for like getting the terpenes and asking about that, asking about the cannabinoids, pushing for a little bit more of the knowledge on the craft and the extra benefit that is given to the plants from that hands-on care versus the larger facilities. There's benefits with that right now. And it's kind of the transition period because we're seeing the companies who haven't um, had the ability to get out and have their voices heard and kind of explain that lose a little bit, or they're the ones that have made a little bit of a ripple in the bucket. And now they're getting bought out by the larger companies. Yeah. Yeah. And those marketing <laughs> restrictions, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword, I suppose, in that it is incredibly difficult to do marketing as a cannabis company, given the regulations that exist, but it also means it's incredibly difficult for the juggernauts. Yeah. You know? and, and so we've seen that in Canada, the, the biggest players are consistently losing market share. Um, and so I guess for the little guy, it's like, yeah, it's hard for me to tell my story. And that's why, you know, podcasts like this are great, you know, just to be able to, to talk and, and just, you know, have people hear about us and, and maybe spark some curiosity and, and check us out. Um, but it also, yeah, it means that, you know, the, the biggest players can't just, you know, flood the airwaves with commercials and, and just out spend on on their marketing so that they're the only ones that do so it's like there really isn't much brand recognition in canada for for cannabis companies is the takeaway that i've seen yeah um, you know some people are starting to build a following um and and brand awareness uh but there's not a lot of it and it doesn't really dictate a lot of people's purchasing decisions either at this stage and so yeah, it's kind of it's good and it's bad, pros and cons. Um, but you know, we're all kind of under the same rules. So I think it's just okay, try and be creative and figure out ways to to spread the word. Yeah, and I like I agree that um like the brand awareness isn't what's selling the products right now as like a nationwide. We do there are some brands that are starting to get a little bit of a name, and it's because there are the larger and they're just available right that's like the ready can readies the look and the availability is what has got those guys brand recognition and the fact that they were the first ones to put out the cigarette style pre-rolls yep. they got it i i, I tip the hat to them like they, they've cornered that market and back yeah, that's they chasing them. for almost a billion <laughs> exactly and that's exactly the where i was going with they made the ripple in the bucket and that's where the money got made yeah so yep. Like it's, you'll see it, but the P companies like that are going to be the ones where the bigger company almost needs to come in and use it to save them because they're losing that base value on their products they already have. Cause it's just, the quality isn't there and people are starting to recognize that. And the education should be the forefront and that quality and care and an extra dollar or two is going to give you guys a better quality. So let's, and an experience and let's save you guys that, bad experience and just get you going into the better stuff at the beginning yeah yeah i think that that's a good thing i don't know i'd be interested to hear what your thoughts are on it but i'd say we're starting to get to the stage of the industry where you can get some predictability you know if you get a good eight from somebody pretty good chance that if you buy another eight it's going to be good early days i mean there just wasn't really anything good and then it you know it gets really spotty right okay it's good this time but maybe not the next yeah. so i think like a lot of the lps are starting to find their groove they've they're working through crop number you know 10 or 100 or whatever it is of, of the same strain you're getting that dialed in and and that's that's excellent for the consumer right you know it sucks when you get something that's really awesome you go back to get it again and it was just a bad run or whatever it might be and it's just like ah this is nowhere near as good as it was before so having a little bit of predictability, I think, uh, is going to make it a lot better for people, you know. Absolutely. And it's going to almost give us the ability to tear the weed where it's like, okay, this is going to fall into that, that dub, trip, quad A bud. It's worth paying the extra money. This strain is harder to grow. It's worth paying the extra money because it's not something you're going to see a whole bunch right? Like being it. And as a bud tender with us having that education, being able to tell the consumer, like this, this takes 
three extra weeks and anything else you're growing. That's why it's costing $5 more. Oh, well, why is that? Well, it's because it's that genetic. It just, it needs three more weeks under the lights to grow. Or it, they need that much more effort to finish this product. I, there's consumers who I've told them that and they're like, really? That's what changes the price in some of their products? I'm like, yeah. If it's harder for them to grow, they should pay, you should pay a little bit more for it. If it takes longer to grow, you're going to pay a little bit more for it. The cost for nutrients, food, like the actual lights, the flow of the air, everything costs money. The longer it's in there, it costs a little more. And that type of education is going to be where the consumers are definitely going to get benefit from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's good to communicate. Um, yeah, I, I think there's probably quite a few people who use cannabis regularly, but don't really understand the, the growth cycle of it or anything like that. Uh, so communicating that, yeah, I mean, if, you, if you've got a strain that's got to sit in that room for another three weeks, that's, you know, three weeks behind on your next crop is another way to, to think about it, right? Exactly. Just like you said, all, all the resources, the electricity, you know, all, all those things, yeah, they, they increase. Right. And that's, and this, and this is where you're going to see some of the companies where, like you're saying, they're on that lot 10, a hundred where they've been putting out a pink cush, ta- um, not tabletop, but pure sun farms, a perfect example, their death bubba, their pink cush, it's dialed right in and it's consistent. I'm happy to see that the price on that's coming down, but it's because they've got it so dialed in, there's no variance on it. So they can bring it. This is optimal price point. This is what we can sell it at. That's why it's under $40 for the seven grams at most shop. They know what they're doing, but they're on lot probably closer to 200 plus in some of their rooms because of the amount of pink that they sell. Like it's, mm-hmm. And it's a strain that yields a little bit higher. It's like Blue Dream, higher yield, lower cost. Mm-hmm. Like it's, there's so much that plays to a factor. And as a bud tender, I will 100% agree with you. There is regular consumers that, have a tough time understanding why THC varies Mm. because they just, they don't understand that it's a plant. And one time you just, if the lights don't get that same amount of power that time, because you guys had a power outage for an hour, that could play a factor if it's in the wrong time of the plant's growth. Yeah. Yeah. There's all kinds of things, you know, uh, HVAC equipment can, uh, can totally fail or it can start failing. That can mean, rises in humidity rises in temperature um just these little things uh they they can all add up you know an hour of an outage with lights and you know even worse you know you get an hour of light when it's supposed to be dark for some reason right now you're hermaphroditing the plants you're getting seeds you know yeah there's many things that can go wrong um Grows like a weed, but ooh, you got to have it dialed in. <laughs> yeah, it grows like a weed, but to get the best stuff, you got to treat it like a rose. Mm-hmm. It's really the best. That's I can't even remember who said that analogy, but I'm like, that is perfect. You that's can't describe that any better. <laughs> like, yeah, like I was, I was saying, I'm like, I'm, in, I'm halfway through my first grow, and I'm like, I completely understand that point because I've got one plant that's struggling, another one that's doing well, and it's the one that I've spent a little bit more time with is doing it well <laughs> yeah so but with that uh do you have any anything growing at your home right now anything that you're playing with there or is it just primarily on facility right now yeah just at the facility now uh, it was kind of it's like if you go and spend your day growing weed you don't really want to come home and grow more weed <laughs> you know uh, so I'm growing tomatoes right now is, nice. is what I'm doing at home in the, in the hydro tent and, uh, yeah. And upstairs, I've got some ready to go outside as well. Uh, but yeah, nothing, nothing going for me at home right now. But, um, so you said that you experimented with like the aqua, the hydro, all those, have you been playing with, since you're growing the tomatoes, like seeing which system works best with those type of plants too, to just kind of see what's that crossover. I, I haven't got that far yet, um, but I am curious about it. Um, yeah, I, I just really like aeroponics. I, it, it's hard to argue with it in a lot of ways. Um, you're using less water, less nutrients than all other hydroponic systems. Uh, so I like that, but people 
get pretty nervous about pump failures. Um, there's a, I would call it a misconception that if you have a pump failure in an aeroponic system, your plants are going to fail a lot faster than if you have an irrigation problem in other systems. Um, there are ways to deal with it. You can lower the intensity of the lights. Um, you can change the climate. You can increase humidity in the air. Like there's things you can do at different stages of the plant's life to, to try and combat uh, a pump failure in an aeroponic system. But it's, it really is a superior way of doing it. And you can see the roots, all of the roots, right? Which is a, a great advantage over any kind of medium-based growing. Um, and there's unique cannabinoids in the roots as well. Like, I think it's ferinol or ferineol, uh, an interesting anti-inflammatory anti um, component uh, that's exclusively harvestable from cannabis roots, doesn't exist in the leaves or the, or the flowers. Um, commonly, it's commonly used right now and it's gotten from the shala tree, I believe is one of the main plants that produces this chemical. Um, so yeah, I, I like the aeroponics. I, I've, I've seen way faster vegetative growth in it, um, like inches per day, uh, the plants are growing. I've just never grown that fast in any other system. Um, so I, I like that one uh, the most for sure, arrow. Uh, I'd like to see our facility get over to arrow, but it, it's, it's a big, oh, that's big a task uh, on a commercial scale. So we, we have um, our mother room, is oversized for what we need and a lot of growers won't even use mothers right they'll just take their new cuttings off of vegetative plants that are about to go to flower and that kind of yeah. thing uh, so we're hoping to get a tissue culture lab installed this year at the facility and and we'd be using that for biobanking and cleaning up from any kind of like pest or virus you know problem and if we do that then i can turn the mother room into the first stage of aeroponic experimentation nice um, and and i did we we designed the the grow beds so that they can house pots like they currently do with a dripper system or they can house a low pressure aero system um so I i'd really like to to do that and and start start growing aeroponically and, and learning a bit more about how to fine tune that well, even, even if you just had that one room to play with, that's going to open up a lot of possibility for you. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. and like, for me, I've been hydroponic for everything like living soil or a, uh, like I've been doing a wood chip and a cocoa blend for any of my synthetic. And I've looked at the aeroponics and I've always wondered like how much more does the environment play a factor with the aeroponics in comparison to the living soil, or is it pretty well on par? Does the environment have more of an effect on arrow than on living soil? Plants? Just because the roots are exposed and you do have that. So are you having to be a little bit more cautious with the humidity, the temperature, stuff like that? I, I wasn't really, I, I haven't noticed that difference um, in terms of keeping your room temperatures and humidities. Uh, th those are being run the same generally. Um, by the arrow growers that I know. Um, and from what I did personally, yeah, it was all the same uh, climate wise, uh, obviously very different from the fertigation side of things, particularly in a living soil scenario. Um, but yeah, no, I don't think climate's much different. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I'm just, I'm curious to see how much of a factor it plays. Right. Cause if you get those, cause I know with my living soil, if I get a couple of degrees, the root zones protected by the medium, right. Where, if you have that little bit of a swing and it's arrow, you don't have that medium protecting the, the root zone, right? And it's, those are the type of things where I don't quite have the ability to dial my environment in perfectly. So there are the little bit of the swings and that's why I've kind of liked having the, the cocoa medium there is, it's not the most productive method of growing, but it's usually the safest when you've got those little bit of variables I found most forgiving by far uh least time intensive by far you know i mean if you're going rock wool you're watering four eight times a day whatever it might be i mean with our cocoa in our flower stage we only water every other day um so yeah there's the less times that you have to do something the less likely it is that it's going to fail right and yeah. so if 
so yeah i think cocoa if you're going with a with a physical substrate that's what we went with um safe it's forgiving you know uh, i i love it for those reasons um i dislike that we have to ship it over here in sea cans you know i'm like we're we're shipping dirt around the planet is what we're doing and paying like how many thousands of dollars for it and and with with our scenario i, I mean we don't reuse the cocoa i mean you you we have at home and yeah. you know that kind of thing but uh, over there it's it's just such a concern with the regulations and everything that we're like not like just you know let's just do it fresh every time so then it's just you know these huge mountains of cocoa and then huge potting events where we get it out of the bag in there all just so we could throw it in a dumpster at the end of the day after like a sea sea can or like a, a ship yeah. brought it over the ocean here i'm like oh like all yeah. of those components of it i'm like oh like that especially in today's age it's like shipping costs are crazy like the cost of a sea can went up like tenfold throughout covid and i'm like yeah computer chips and machine guns are gonna push the dirt out of the sea yeah. can you know it's like <laughs> so yeah. i yeah i I'd, I'd love to see us be able to get into the arrow but you do have to be very precise you know and it's there is no forgiving in arrow whereas the cocoa is so forgiving it's like a warm yeah. blanket <laughs> well exactly and if you got that and if you got a good perlite or vermiculite blend in it it's got a huge oxygen holding ability with that right like cocoa is a pretty pretty useful universal tool for growing when you're getting started and it's i'm happy i started with it i'm definitely happy i started with it but i'm getting to the point now where it's like uh, i'm almost looking to start playing with something else just not sure what go arrow go arrow yeah, I, I did mine in a basic little recirculating reservoir made out of a tote, you know, yeah. and uh, yeah, you just, you can set it up with PVC pipes, drill in some sprinkler heads, and you've got a low pressure aeroponic system, and uh, I don't know, it's, I, I love it. Yeah, I, I think the first one I'm going to do is set up a seedling aeroponic, because I've got a buddy of mine, he says, once you get that, your cloning is going to get a thousand times more successful than what you do with pods. And I'm like, okay, I've tried it. I'm thinking about it. I should probably just set it up at this point. <laughs> did, did you get the turbo cloner already? I haven't got a turbo cloner. I haven't done anything for, for the aeroponics on clones yet, but I'm, I'm thinking I need to get one this time around. Yeah, I, I love them. Uh, we've cloned with them. We, we've got like the, the large commercial scale turbo cloners got a hundred sites in it. Uh, but even there, I mean, like there's improvements that can be made in how it drains and, uh, and adding a chiller onto it is critical. Like you have to be able to control the temperature of that water, uh, right? Otherwise you're getting pythium almost certainly. So that's, that's been a bit of a, so then your, your chiller is going to be like 500 bucks. So that's like, okay, that's a fair bit. And if you go with like the turbo cloner is nice because it's just, it's done. But I mean, I guess I've run the 24 site turbo cloners without a chiller and I didn't have any problem with those. Yeah. And there's, um, what he's got is just one of the six site. They're almost the build at home kits where they send you everything and you drill it and you do everything yourself. And he's like, that thing works great. And I'm like, for six to 12 sites for what I need. If I do six, then I have, I take six more clones and they're a little bit later or worst case scenario, I buy myself another one of those six piece. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a good stepping stone into it. Yeah. And then the nice thing is, is I can take the rooted arrow and put them right into my soil and they're already ready to rock too. So. Yep. Yeah. I've dropped, I've actually vegged plants out aeroponically to about 16 inches tall and still then transplanted them into a cocoa pot no problem at all and that's a pretty big root structure at that age that's, plant. like yeah you know, that like that would be softball plus size in a in a yep. cocoa pot for sure mm -hmm. that's a huge root i would not have expected that you'd been able to <laughs> i shouldn't say that i should i should say i wouldn't expect high returns from that but I know that the cannabis plant can endure a lot of crazy stuff and still produce. <laughs> yeah. like I've seen some revegging of twigs with just a few things left. They're like, ah, let's see if it'll come back. 
and all of a sudden it's growing some of the best stuff they've ever had <laughs> it's true yeah we, we've had we had plants that yeah after they were they were coming in on day one they were all beat up travel all this stuff and yeah we're talking like there's a leaf left and give it enough time it's a totally huge healthy mother plant it's this this plant's amazing it it's and and especially getting to sit down and visit with you today is awesome being able to learn about the products you guys have in your system like the so what nutrient system do you have is a really the last big question i have on what you guys do for grow because you got a drip system is there like a specific system you run or is it kind of a amalgamation yeah no it's a dripper system uh we just built it all ourselves we've got a res room and it's got a main reservoir in it that we put city water into after we filter it um and in edmonton we use chloramine to disinfect water so the filter takes the chloramine out and then it just is constantly recirking in that main res through a chiller and a uv filter uh, just to keep the main water supply as clean as possible And then when it comes time to feed, we fill water from the main res to a mixing res and we just hand mix in liquid Remo nutrients. So we just use the full Remo line um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of how we do it. And then we just turn on a pump and it blasts it down to the room and then it's zoned out with ball valves to the different beds. And we just kind of like feed, 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 feeding a flower room. We'll mix two tanks. We do an upper level and then a lower level. That'll take us about two hours, the whole thing. That's not too bad. And I like I've found really good success with the Remo system. It's surprising how much roots that system is able to achieve in a short period of time. Like that was probably my biggest shock of using that using the Remo for the first time after my living soil is the root system on that in weeks. Yeah. Yeah, it's tried and true, right? Um, that, that's, you know, what I grew with. It's, uh, you know, what two of our other growers have always grown with. We knew it well. And uh, that was a good piece of advice we got going in is whatever you know, just keep doing it and try and only change one thing at a time if you can. Right. And uh, so that's what we've been doing. And yeah, no issues with the Remo at all. I mean, uh, everyone was worried that we'd be getting blockages in the drippers. And uh, we haven't found any of that. Um, never had any issues really with the irrigation system. The Remo goes through it, no problem at all. Yeah, that, that's really the only other one was that I've been curious about is the irrigation system and what synthetics are seeming to have issues because that's always been kind of that issue with anybody running irrigation systems. Well, synthetics will eventually clog up your systems. It's like, okay, well, is that one synthetic system that has just screwed everyone over or is it synthetics across the board? So it's good to hear that you guys haven't had issues with Remos and it seems like the majority of people haven't had issues with them. Yeah, so no, I'm, we run it through drippers. We've been doing that for yeah, a year and a half and no problems. So I, I'm really curious now to see if it's just a, a specific nutrient system that was causing all those issues. Yeah, it can be a variety. It could be a variety of things. I bet you it could be, you know, there's one type of nutrient that causes this problem a lot more than others, or if it's formulated in a certain way. Yeah. And then uh, more than the synthetics, uh, I've heard it with the organics, because I mean, now you're talking like that really chunky, like velo kelp in the Remo line out of the Astro flower. And it's kind of, it's like, okay, there's, there's bigger chunks of stuff in here. So like, okay, stands to reason it might plug up more um but nothing there other other things is okay you know what are you doing to you know sanitize your lines uh, what temperatures are they in you know i mean are you running them in your cultivation room or are they outside of the cultivation room are they insulated lines you know all, all of the are the opaqueness if light is getting into the irrigation line much higher probability that you'll be growing something inside of that mm-hmm. uh, so all, all the, i think all those factors uh, have a role to play i mean people have definitely experienced plugging drippers but um yeah we we haven't and i haven't heard of it as, as a major issue for most places hvac seems to be much more of a challenge than irrigation well, and just, I'm just thinking here, I'm like, even water hardness would play a factor too in those lines. Cause I would build up 
over time. So yeah, you, you got a pretty good point that there's a lot to play into it and even how the water mixes with the nutrients. Cause that alone could cause issues. Right? Yeah. Like there's uh, it's some good point actually really good points. But um, is there anything that you want to kind of hype up or let everyone know about before we wrap this up? Cause this was an awesome hour sitting down visiting with you and learning about you guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think we covered a lot. Um, we talked about the retail store should be opening up next month or June in Edmonton here. And, uh, and then we're hoping to have the e-commerce component of the retail store up this summer or fall. So then it's just go to albertabud.com and buy now takes you to the retail store, which is AB bud. You're not allowed to have the word Alberta in a retail store in, in Alberta. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it'll be, you know, you go to albertbud.com, click the button and it'll bring you to abbud.ca where you can, you know, place the order and it'll have a, a delivery component in there. So that's, that's something I'm really looking forward to. Um, our pre-rolls really looking forward to those as well. Those should be on the market this summer or fall somewhere in there. Um, and we're also, we're partnered up with a group, uh, medical cannabis health services, a uh, really interesting group of people, uh, a woman named Irene, who started making uh, a THC-infused topical cream about a decade ago to help her out with her arthritis. She has an ACMPR as well. Nice. Um, and so we're trying to roll that out uh, en masse. We've done our, our first uh, runs of it at our facility, and we're hoping to have that one out uh, also in the summer here. And I'm pretty excited about that one. Uh, people that, that she's, uh, you know, used it with the the report is incredibly beneficial for a whole bunch of different conditions for her it was it was the arthritis that she really loved using it for um so i'm excited to see that roll out to to the rec market it's just That's it's superior awesome. in a lot of ways i'm uh, really just, excited about to hear that i'm really excited <laughs> to hear that because yeah. our I, i'll just say the topicals that we have here fly off of our shelves and if it does well it's going to across the board in Alberta. I'm sure it's going to do really, really well and be well received. Like I was surprised at the, how well lotions do and creams and salves and stuff. Like I'm very surprised. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're hearing, you know, people say stuff like, well, I'm replacing Voltaren with yeah. this, you know, and it's like, Oh, that's great. Like, yeah, it's, it's just, I, I like seeing cannabis helping people so much and be able to play a role in that and, and bring these stories out. And I, I think it makes us a more interesting, more robust kind of company too. We were, we were always focused on, on dried flour and pre-rolls. That's, you know, our core, uh, but then like-minded people get together, but you know, they have a completely different story in this different product. And it's like, well, yeah, why not? Let's do that as well. I mean, it's, it's a great weed product and really that's what we're about. So let, let's push to that as well. So that'd be another thing um, that I'd like to, you know, draw people's attention to is, you know, look out for that in the summer um, should be coming out. Yeah. That's I'm, I would expect that to be really well received just from what we've had right now. And especially if it's formulated off of a recipe that's already been productive and already seen that return it's not going to be hard because I see it pop into my shop. It's easy. Well, this is based off of someone who's been building it for 10 years. Oh That's, yeah. And you and you'd love it too, because you know, most of the, the topicals out there, it's, you know, you get your cream and then you just infuse your THC distillate into it or CBD. And this is completely different. The oil inputs that are going in are full spectrum. Right. Nice. And so like you're getting different kinds of effects because of everything we already talked about. Uh, and, it, and it's just, it's bringing that component of things to the topical side of the market. So, yeah, I, I think you'll like that one. Yeah. It's it. Yeah. Well, ha and well, the amount of people who just go for the high range, it's like something full spectrum that's going to come along and may not be at the high levels, but you'll need a little bit and it'll go so much farther because if you can use, hemp-based oil and actually cultivate almost everything involved you're getting huge variety of the benefits throughout mm -hmm. and it's it's awesome to hear that i'm i'm really excited about that for sure yeah yeah this is this is awesome that's and with the with the new shop in edmonton i know i'll have to come by and visit with you guys there once that gets opened yeah, yeah there's no, gonna be we'll some fun stuff we'll let you know when we have the grand opening schedule 
for sure. I'll have to uh, come down and get some content for you. (laughs) (laughs) Have to have some fun with that. I definitely want to get down and start doing some more of that interactive content with, with you guys, because it seems like there's an itch for it from the bud tender side of things, right? Like we want to learn about these products because cannabis is telling a story. It's not selling a product, right? Like if you can, if you can tell the story of the bud, someone will tell you whether they're interested or not. Find the story that's interesting to them and tell them that one. Right? Like, and that's, and that's what I'm really excited to see that with everything opening up with these events and the expos coming, you guys have shops opening up. It seems like a lot of the smaller companies are able to a little bit, um, more active in the community and be out there because things are just more open. So it gives you guys the ability to be more locally active. This year's going to be fun. This summer is going to be really fun. Yep. I, I completely agree. I think everyone's been waiting for it. Yeah. It's well, two years of lockup. It's uh, this summer could be a little bit crazy too. <laughs> rules could be set because of this summer which well we might as well enjoy it as much as we can (laughs) yeah that's right oh oh thank you very much for hopping on tim i really appreciate it and we'll uh, definitely keep in touch to uh, get that uh, grand opening everything and maybe some other content organized with you guys that sounds great well thanks a lot for having me absolutely thank you for uh, coming on i'll make sure to send you the link and everything once i get it ready 